It is so good to be back. And always so good to see everybody's face. Well, most everybody's. I'm just kidding. And I'll tell you what, so much happened. I I don't even know where to begin. And I, I know there was one thing that was incredibly significant that happened that the Lord's going to have me share this morning, but there were so many things that happened in Nigeria. I want, I want you to keep something in mind. When we talk about all of these things that are happening in, in Nigeria, uh, unless you've been there, you don't see that. You accept it by faith. You see pictures. You know by the testimonies of people coming back and, and what all's going on. Certainly the people that live there. But remember something that the Lord said to us way, way back at the beginning when he told us we were called to seven places in the world. Started obviously here in Newark, but the other places start in Nigeria. And the Lord said everything would begin in Nigeria. It's hard to quantify what that means. For years, we're going through this. Lord, what does that mean? What, you know, is it because Nigeria, that's where we step first? And okay, now everything can happen here in the States. But realistically, what you can look at and take that statement in face value. And I, I'm saying this to the American crowd here, to the church here in Newark. Because God has kept us small for a long time. I mean, no doubt, this is God keeping us this way. And he has kept us this way for a purpose. Because I think it is in this intimacy that we learn relationship. That we don't fall into this trap of the religious system. I mean, that is literally how every one of us that have grown up in the church have grown up. It's something very easy to be used to. That's what the Bible calls a familiar spirit. So everything starting in Nigeria, guess what, guys? It's started. What he's doing there is explosive. And I'm I'm going to get into that here in a second. And, And before I do, let me pray. And then there's something else that that I want to say as well. Father, we worship you. We praise you. We thank you, Lord. And we desire your will. Above all else, in front of everything else, Father, I decree and declare that we desire your will. I desire your will to be done this morning. I desire only your words to be spoken this morning. If it is not your words, Father, don't let it come out of my mouth. That is my heart's desire. But Lord, I ask that you fill me with your Holy Spirit and speak through me the words that you want. Because I have nothing for these people. But you have everything. Because your Holy Spirit that will work through me is already working in them and the Spirit resonates with itself. And you will speak. Father, I give you my 
mouth. I give you my hands, my feet. I give you my will. It is my choice to give, and I choose to give. Use, use it as you want, as you desire. In Jesus' name, amen. So before I get to this, and, and this is really insanely incredible. I, I, I can't wait to get to it. But do you guys mind if I vent for a moment? Do you mind? Vent a pet peeve. Vent a irritation. One of those things, that little pebble that sticks in your shoe and you just got to get it out. That's how I feel this morning. And I, I felt that way ever since I got to hear Bren's message from last Sunday. And by the way, I didn't get to hear that until yesterday. We were so busy. I didn't hear it until yesterday, but what I saw was that irritant. There was a comment on my Facebook page by Mike Spencer. You don't know Mike Spencer? Honestly, I don't know Mike Spencer. I think he's from the West Coast or something like that. But the Lord wanted me to mention his name, and there's a reason for it. And this comment is an irritant because of where it comes from. And I'm not going to repeat the thing except, except just that it had to do, there, there was a comment and then a snarkiness to the comment. Something about, you know, women can't preach or something like that. Or maybe women can't be pastors. They can't preach. They can't have that authority. Go sit down. In this church, it is not your authority to say that. It is God's. God is the one who chooses who fills this pulpit. We don't fill it with just anybody. When I am gone, I ask the Lord, who do you want to fill this pulpit? He told me early on, you do not give your pulpit to just anybody. You give it to the people that I say to give it to. So not to belabor this point, but there is a reason why the Lord had me bring it up. And man alive. Holy Spirit's strong. I don't know if I'll be able to pick up my glasses. I'm shaking so bad, but there is a reason. To Mike, I say this. Press into the Lord. Seek truth. If you really want truth, if you really want truth from the bottom of your heart, you'll find it. But you have to seek it. And you have to be open to that truth. Not stuck in a dogma of things that you really know nothing about. And that's not so much the purpose of this. The purpose is this second part. Because to that spirit that is on him, that religious spirit that spoke forth in that post, you're revealing yourself. You will be hunted. You will be destroyed. And I release a warring angel to the one right now who has revealed himself through this Mike Spencer. I release that warring angel in Jesus' name, to destroy that spirit 
that has crossed the line. Engaged in a place you are not allowed to engage. You know this. So I release this angel to take its life, to bind it, cast it to the abyss in Jesus' name. And let that serve as a warning to any other spirit that comes against the Lord. You all have the same destiny. You all have the same direction. It is a matter of time. You could save us all some hassle and go jump in the abyss yourself. But that's what it's coming to. For those who don't understand... The position of this church in that. Again, I'm not going to go into the doctrine of all this. I'm not going to take the time. But I want you to understand one thing. Prior to the curse, men and women were created equal. Men and women were created to come together to be one flesh in God. Literally working together as a team. Not to lord over each other, as the world would have us do. But to work together. That's why marriage is supposed to be a picture of the bride and Christ. It's not that we become his bride to be his servant. He said in John 15, you started out as my servants but you have become my friends. It's because there's supposed to be a symbiotic relationship working together. That's how it's supposed to be with men and women. Understand the fall where men became over women. That was a curse, guys. That was a curse. That wasn't what God intended it to be. You know, we're going to take just a moment. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 3. And, and I, know, I know this isn't the main thing that he's giving me this morning, but he does want me to point this out. Genesis chapter 3, after sin was committed in the garden, and you guys know the story, and they were kind of hiding from God, and he said, where are you? And he, you know, he finds them, and... And, of course, God knew what was coming. He knew what happened. He knew before man was ever created. He knew what was going on. But then he spoke out a curse because of that sin. He first spoke to the serpent, which is interesting because the serpent was an animal, but it wasn't an animal because we know that it also represented Satan because it talks about a curse of his seed. And how his seed would be overtaken by God's seed. But then he goes to the woman and he says in verse 16 of chapter 3, he said, To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. This was a curse. 
This was affected in Genesis chapter 3 as a result of sin. It was a curse on mankind because of his choices. But then Jesus. Then Jesus came, lived that perfect life. He came as he was God, inserted himself into His own creation as a man became, as a man, subject to the difficulties that we walk in, yet without sin. He lived that perfect life, gave his life on the cross for us. And it's so myopic to think that he simply gave his life so you don't burn in hell. Oh my goodness. If that's all you think He did, you cheapen the blood of Christ. No, no, no. He came to reverse or revoke the curses that were done in Genesis chapter 3. All the things that man had chosen to do because of his own sin. Jesus came and said, I'll pay for it. And He did. He paid for it. Now, just because somebody pays for something doesn't mean it's automatically yours. That's pretty obvious. I could pay for a car for you and leave it in the parking lot, and it doesn't do you any any good unless you go get it. Jesus can pay for you to have that life precursed. But unless you receive it, it doesn't do you a whole lot of good. That certainly is effective through his justification of sin, what we call salvation, that ticket to heaven, but it's so much more than that. It is literally the relationship that he offers that marriage was a picture of. That's what we're supposed to be with him. The picture of a perfect symbiotic relationship. That's what it is. That's what he paid for. That's what we are to take. And, and, and yet, and, and this is going to be a little confusing, but sorry. <laughs> Just apologize in advance because I'm not getting into this as much as I probably want to. God is a legal God. And things have to happen legally in his realm. In fact, everything happens. That's literally what the curse was. It was a legal judgment on mankind and creation. Why creation? Why was creation cursed? It's because it was under man. God had put everything under his authority. So that means everything under his authority was cursed. So that had to be reversed. It had to be revoked. It had to be changed in his realm. And this is the confusing part to those who wouldn't know. August 5th, 2021, last year, it was revoked. It was revoked in the court of nations. It was revoked in the spirit. It was revoked in his court.
So there's not supposed to be any more differences in terms of authority, except for the placement that God puts people in. I speak this plain and I speak it clear for the sake of those spirits that will come after. Those spirits, that spirit of religion that will come after these thoughts, after these facts. It's done. It's done before the courts. But yet the bride has to receive it. It's waiting for her. That relationship that is so pure, so holy, so amazing. I mean, can you actually imagine? I know, I know we say, because I say it all the time. I, I, I think I even have it on my banner or something for Facebook that, that Jesus is my best friend. That's, it's one thing to say it. It's another thing for it to be true. Is that true in your life? Because it can be. It's already been paid for. It's already been reversed in the court. It is available to you. You just have to take it. And that's a part of what we're going to get into here in a minute. So thank you for letting me rant. I think that is an important issue. And I don't care what people say about me. Never have, never will. But you talk about my family. And that's another issue. So we just got back from Nigeria, and there's so much going on there, it's, it's insane. I, I will say one thing, I can't fully announce it because it hasn't been announced <laughs> in Nigeria yet, um, at least publicly. I, I think the compound knows, but, uh, but it's not been announced completely yet. But this last trip was a milestone. For, for years now, and you guys know this, for years we've been building infrastructure in Nigeria. We've been building um, uh, infrastructure that would, that would be able to carry on income there um, to be able to perpetuate the, the movement of the Lord's will, right? And, and we've been working on that, and it, it, that has just literally been exploding. I mean, we, we, have, we have over, uh, I think it's close to 60 full-time employees there now, um, which is insanely huge, and we have a, another 50 to 60 that, that we call contractors, but they work um, very, very heavily with us as well. So over 100, 100 people working for us. We have all this that has been built to carry what is about to start. And I'm so excited about this. I, I've told you guys before about the multi-purpose center, how it will feed 1,000 meals a day to orphans and to or, or to widows and children in our area there. Um, but there's something else that it's built for. And in fact, I, I think the, the biggest purpose for it, and, and that is that we are planting our first church. I can't tell you how excited I am about that. We have been waiting. I, in fact, I've had so many conversations with the Lord that, Lord, 
aren't missionaries supposed to have churches? You know, and the whole time we're building chicken coops and we're building block companies and we're building this and that and all these things. And I'm, I'm like, Lord, this doesn't look like a church. And he said, just wait, just wait. And so he gives me the vision of this multi-purpose center. And in this is going to be our first church. So he did something this trip and, and, a few of us have known this is coming and talking to the Lord, but but on this trip, he, uh, how do I say it? We brought on our first national pastor. I'll say it that way. won't say who he is yet because that will be announced. I don't want to preclude what's being done there. But this is a big deal because this is a man who... You cannot tell his heart differently than ours. It's the same. His background is the same. What God has taken him through is the same. He has testimony that will just blow your mind what God has done. And what was an even bigger thing is God told him a year ago, long before he told us, probably had to get his agreement. But he told him a year ago that this would be happening. That was before he ever met us. He didn't know us, and yet God told him what was coming. So I am, I am so beyond excited about what that means. In fact, we were there this uh, few days before we left, and, and we had met with him and his wife, and we were showing them the compound, showing them different things, and the Lord told me, go show them the multipurpose center, because that's where the church is going to begin. I said, okay, and we're, we're showing them, and, you know, of course, it's hot out and all this stuff, and, and I'm thinking, yeah, we could show this quickly, because right now all it is is a foundation, There are no walls or any. It's just foundation that we've completed so far. And this is a big building. And while I'm talking to him and we're showing him the building and everything else, the Lord tells me, go go jump up on the foundation. I'm like, okay. All right, I'll do it, Lord. I jump up on the foundation and the guards are all kind of freaking out because they don't think that I could climb. (laughs) <laughs> and and so I start walking on the foundation. Now, the foundation are these foundation walls that are risen up maybe five feet or so off the ground. And then there's some fill dirt, a little bit of fill dirt inside it. But all throughout the thing, it's these big squares, if you will. And and I go up there and, and he said, he said, OK, I want you to think of the lobby he said, go to one end of the building. I go to the one end of the building. And he said, now, you know, in the, in the first floor, and that's what he was concerned with, the first floor, he said, there's a lobby first. He said, I want you to pace out the length of the lobby. And so I did. I paced out about what I thought it would be. Then he said, now, remember on the other side, there are, behind the stage, there are these rooms that are for storage and for moving all the tables and all that stuff utility rooms he said so i want you to envision where those are and where the wall of the stage would be i said okay yeah i I see it right now it's right in front of me i see it i'm like standing at the doors that go into the sanctuary and i can picture where the wall 
of that stage would be. And then the Lord says to me, do you think that's big enough? And I started to laugh. I said, no, not, not even really close. And he said, you're right. He said, I need you to add on to this building. And I need you to see it in its foundation stage because right now you can add on as much as needs to be added on. I said, okay. So right then and there, we decided to add on almost a third of the size of the current plan of the building. We added a third on, which, which will effectively be that sanctuary part. And, and I was just so excited about that, about what the Lord is doing, about what He's opening up. And, and we're, we're praying that, that that building can be ready and we can be launched in January or February, right around there. But yet the work has already started. This pastor is coming over. Uh, within probably a month, he'll be moving on campus. And I love his heart. Oh, my goodness. I've never met another Nigerian. I don't think. I don't think I've ever met another Nigerian that actually turned down money. And this pastor did. We, we told him the, the compensation and everything else, and he, he, he you know, very politely said, um, the Lord told me in the beginning of my ministry back, I think it was 1992 or whatever it was, he said, I am to take no money. He said, I am to take no money. No money. The Lord will take care of my needs. And he has literally done that for 30 years or whatever it's been. And the Lord told me in that conversation to tell him that you're entering a new time. Because now the Lord's going to teach you how to steward. And what was wild, <laughs> when I said that, Alexis heard the same exact words from the Lord. The same exact. And, and I, I didn't mumble them. They didn't come out of my, my mouth. So she heard, the same, she heard the Holy Spirit say the same thing to her. But this man's integrity was incredible. So that is what's about to start. That, I believe, is also goes hand in hand with the falling of His Holy Spirit. And that's such a clumsy way to say it because we don't know what it looks like. It's not going to look like Acts chapter 2. First of all, in power, it is going to be way, way bigger than that. And, and so for lack of a better way to explain it, we just use the term falling. We're very close to that, to what the Lord's going to do. He is going to fall on his remnant. He is going to fall on those who diligently seek him in relationship. Why? Just to make your life better? No. Because every gifting that is bestowed upon you, the Bible says, is for the church. It's for the bride. It's for this fight. It's so people see Jesus Christ. Very honestly, that, that's the simplicity of it. Well, another thing happened in Nigeria, and this is what I want to get to. We've shared, most, most people in the church here know about um, how the Bible is laid out like a court system. Um, if, you, if you don't understand that, um, look at 
the word of God and the judgments of God through the lens of a judicial court. Not, not a king's court, a judicial court. And there are going to be things that make a lot more sense to you when you start to do this. So, so God, that's why the law came out. Right? The Bible says, it says in Hebrews that it, it came out literally to convict. It came out to prove that mankind could not live by the law. There had to be grace. There had to be that favor of Jesus Christ. But it came out because God is a God who has law. His justice demands it. And, and so whether you understand it or not, each of you, certainly who are Christians, each of you has been before his court. Every time you go before the Lord and you say, forgive me for what I have done, do you understand you're before his court? Right? You have an accuser, it says in Revelation 12. You have an advocate. It also says, Jesus is your advocate. He is your lawyer. Why? Because the law requires at least two witnesses. That's why if you don't go before the Lord, you don't ask forgiveness, guess what? You don't receive it. Because Jesus cannot go there for you and just say, well, you know, I, I, I talked to them earlier and they, they told me that, you know, they feel sorry for the, and God's like, where's your witness? Where's your other witness? I required two. And it was just like in the Old Testament how we, they could not go before them, the Lord themselves. They had to go with the high priest or with the priest to, to ask forgiveness because there had to be two witnesses. There had to be a witness of a heart. So the Lord has opened up in this church ways that we go before the Lord in that courtroom. And we go in, in aid of other people. Some churches call it deliverance. Um, I don't know. We're, we're not real big on labels and names. So I just call it the way God told us to do it. <laughs> Whatever you want to call it. But this court, we call it the court of accusations, for lack of a better word, because the devil's there to accuse. You go before the Lord in that court every time you ask forgiveness for things. Okay? This team that works with people and goes through this court system, it's the same thing, same exact thing. Well, in Nigeria, this trip was the first time we did that with with Nigerian nationals. It was two different people. And it was extraordinary because something came out of the first one that we all know theoretically. We all know biblically. But this was the first time I've seen it happen in the court. And... But before I, before I get to that, the other court case was interesting because we thought we were going into the court of accusations and all of a sudden the Lord brings us to the court of nations. Now, the court of nations is very different. That also being a biblical court, that is, that is where things are not just decided for one person. That is where things are decided for many people. For nations. 
for times. He took us into that court, and what ended up getting taken to court was a spirit of religion that was over the continent of Africa. That's a big deal. First of all, the spirit of religion is a very difficult spirit. From, from a human standpoint, the, the, spirit of relig- the religious spirit is one that it can be really hard to disseminate that voice from God's voice if you do not have intimate, personal relationship with the Lord, right? His Holy Spirit will disseminate it if you let him. But it's real easy to think somebody, and let me give you an example Legalism is a perfect example. You go into a church that's a legalistic church. These are the churches I grew up with, Alex grew up in. And, and everything's just in this perfect place. And, and, you know, we don't do this and we all wear this and, and we all speak this way. And, and except for those who rebel against it, like me. And everything looks so nice and tidy and clean and neat and and to those in relationship with the Lord, it ought to make you vomit. Because that's what it is. Is it's vomit. It's a religious spirit that is putting out what the effects of God in a pure sense may, in their mind, look like. But not the heart of God. And, and so you have different authorities. You have, you have demonic authorities in a person's life that are interpersonal with them, right? And we give them authority and everything else. But then you also have principalities, Ephesians 6 talks about, that have authority over land. And in this case, if any of you have been to Africa, you see this immediately. In fact, I can give you one example. Richest pastor in the world is from Nigeria, you know the richest pastors in the world are all from Africa. Okay? I mean, if, if nothing else, that's a little clue of the religious spirit that's there. And this religious spirit that had a hold, had a landlock hold on an area was defeated. Now, I want to read something that the Lord said in this court, when it was defeated, okay, this, this religious spirit was defeated in court. There was a guilty verdict. It was bound, cast to the abyss. Now, by the way, that doesn't mean that there are no, there's no religious spirit there anymore. Okay, there is no overarching authority over that land. But people still give agreement in their hearts. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. Um, so in, in this court case, that, that spirit was bound, was cast, and then Satan, who was also summoned to that courtroom, he was told to come to the stand. And I asked the Lord at that point something that I had asked for the United States as well, and I, I won't get into it, it doesn't matter, but, but then the gavel went down, all was done, and we thought we're done. But then the father said something to Satan. To Satan. Kind of like, you know, those moments when it's a, it's a caught on a hot mic moment. Kind of like, uh, what's his name, Schumer this week? You know, we're all going to die. Yeah, okay. Kidding. I'm talking about them in the election coming up. And they are. 
But anyways, this was kind of a hot mic moment for God. God was saying something to Satan here. And I want to read it to you because it's extraordinary. The father said this. He said, these ones that you dazzled at the tower, and he's referring to the Tower of Babel, will turn from you as if they had never worshipped you. And your few faithful ones I will kill. You will have no living sons. Neither your sons nor daughters will live. And all you have built as an inheritance for those sons will be given to the ones you have hunted. To the ones you have killed, I will give life. And the ones you have raised, I will put down. There is no resurrection for them. I will bring your kingdom to ruin and your people to depravity. Once you had a seat at the table, now you will have no name or place in heaven or earth. As long as I have forgotten their sins, I have forgotten you. Until I remember their sins, I will never remember you nor will all the people of the earth. I don't know about you, it took me reading that about 20 times for that to really sink in as to what the Father was saying was coming for Satan. Satan knows what's coming for him. And yet somehow he thinks he could change it. or, Or at least he used to. I don't... I don't know what he thinks now because right now he's, he's really busy running. He's really busy running. He's not given orders because everything's confused on his side. Why? Because he can't have pretense anymore. He can't lie. Lies don't work for him anymore. That's what happens to a liar. When you're a liar, your lies catch up to you. And that's what's going on with him. His lies to even his people are catching up to him. I can't tell you how many witches that are Satan worshipers that we have talked with that have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior because they realized Satan was a liar. That he lied. Oh my goodness, it's coming. But it's the other court case that I want to talk about. That court of accusations. That first one. When this gentleman went in And usually it's a back and forth and we have the accusers come up and they're questioned and we know what the authority is and the authority is bound and cast and all this rigmarole. Lord told us before we go in there, He said, and He spoke to this young man, and He said, I want you to give your testimony. Never heard that before. I mean, I've heard giving testimony in the court, but but usually that comes after the accusation. And so we go into the court and and the Lord said, it is time. Stand up and give your testimony. And this young man begins at the point of his life when his heart was not for God. And he lived for himself. And then he began to tell of the transformation that God had done in his life. In his family's life. As only he could tell it. Now, I I don't know what he was recognizing. 
I don't know if he recognized or if the Lord opened his eyes that he could see what was going on. But what he's doing is he's pouring out his heart before the Lord. With Jesus as his witness, and in this case, we were there as his witnesses as well. He was just pouring out what God had done in his life. Even so much that there's so much more that he wants. But all that he wants is God. He wants that intimacy with, with God. He said, he said I, I don't know how to even say this, but I want to be able to give my yes even more. <laughs> Lord said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. When you say yes to the Lord, he will open up relationship with you. Do you know what happened? Here he is. He gives his testimony. He's done. He's, he's sobbing. He, he's like this, this dish rag. There were no accusers. There were no anything. The verdict was not guilty. Because of his heart. Because of his desire for God. And I sent the transcript to Bryn to, to type out. And she emails it back to me with a verse. And I'm like, duh. <laughs> I should have thought of that one. I want you to turn to this verse. And it's Revelation 12. And actually, I want to back up just a little bit. We talked about this two weeks ago, and then, and then Bryn kind of expanded upon it last week. But, which, by the way, that is not planned. Even me, Alexis, Bryn, Wendy, we do not talk about what we're going to talk about. We don't coordinate what we're going to talk about this week. It's just led by the Holy Spirit. So it isn't that there's not coordination. It's just the coordination happens long before it reaches us. Right? The coordination is the Holy Spirit. But two weeks ago, we talked about this back in Revelation chapter 11. We talked about the seventh trumpet and what that means. About the seventh trumpet being the readied bride. And I'm not going to re-go over that. Listen to that two weeks ago. But in verse 18 of chapter 11, before we get to 12, it says, The nations raged, but your wrath came. God's wrath. And the time for the dead to be judged and for the rewarding of your servants, the prophets and saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for the destroying of the destroyers on the earth. Who is that? That's, that's who Ephesians 6 is talking about. It's talking about the spirit realm. It's talking about those spirits that try to gain authority in our lives, that try to gain authority over our land. To make choices for us that we would not choose. You know, you ever think about that? I mean, in America, we say that's not fair. And yet, we allow it. Well, it's not fair. I didn't choose to have abortion for 50 years. Okay, well, if I'm quiet, then I chose it. If I don't fight it, then I chose it. 
I chose to have this religious system in America. Why? Because I'm a citizen of America, and if I don't speak out against it, it means I chose it. Ooh, there's a revolution coming, and it is here. It is upon us. Because that revolution has been fighting in the spirit now for a few years, and it is manifesting in the physical That war is coming out in the physical, guys. Certainly you see it. We see the transparency coming. Why? Because the church, the remnant at least, is starting to fight. Is starting to come together in unity and say, no, we will not accept abortion any longer. Now, did that come from a majority vote in the United States? No. It didn't start that way either. It came because the children of God, the remnant, what I call them, because that's what he calls them, they said, no, 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 no. No, this is not what God wants. We will be vocal about this. We will fight it in the Spirit. And we began to fight it in the Spirit, and we had victory after victory after victory. And in those victories, you are now seeing them manifest. Oh, there's a lot coming, too. Be excited about that. There is a lot coming. But it's the destroying of the destroyers of the earth. That goes all the way back to the Tower of Babel, which is what the Lord referred to. Because at the Tower of Babel is where God gave the nations away. Israel was not a nation at that point. There was no such thing as Israel at the Tower of Babel. That's where it was split up into seven zones. The world was split up into seven zones, according to Zechariah. And there was a principality placed over each one. That's why in Revelation you see the dragon with seven heads. The seven heads are those principalities. The ten, the ten crowns, or the ten horns, I think it was, whatever it is, those are the kings in which they rule. So God has called us to fight this fight. Now I want you to go down to verse 12. I mean uh, chapter 12. I'm just going to start reading at verse 7, but then we'll, we'll stop on the key verse, which is verse 11. Now, war arose in heaven. By the way, let me say this. If, if you want to study, and sorry, I keep, I'm eclectically going off onto things, but, but this is important. If you want to study prophecy, if you want to study especially the book of Revelation, and understand Revelation. I I need to give you one hint that will really help you. Okay? It is not a linear book. Okay? Do you understand what I mean by that? It is not timeline linear, where you can read and you can, okay, here's what happens, and then this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens. That's not the case. And and if you don't understand that, you're going to drive yourself batty. Okay, and the proof of this is in chapter 4 when John gets called up to heaven and he is given these, they're they're visions, but they're not just visions. He's literally there. He's literally watching it, okay? And, And he's brought into the presence of that activity, if you will. Okay, but recognize he is outside of time when he is doing this. He is seeing all these things 
it's almost like he's, he's outside of time and he's watching all this happen. And what he writes, he said, and then I saw, and then I saw, and then I saw. Okay, in, in this world, we would equate that to mean, well, this happened, and then this happened, and apply time to it. You can't do that. Take time out of it. Because there are things in Revelation, most of Revelation has to do with Israel. But there are things in there that only have to do with the church. The chapters 2 and 3 are an example of that. But so is chapter 11 in the seventh trumpet. Paul really lays out that mystery. And again, I talked about that two weeks ago. So <clears throat> let's go back. Um, verse, verse 7 of chapter 12. Again, take time out of your mind here. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated. Who was the, who's the dragon, by the way? Satan. Okay, Satan with the, those seven, seven heads, those are his seven principalities. You could call them his seven generals, whatever you want to call them. Uh, and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven, and the great dragon was thrown down. The ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come, for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. Let me point something out that theologians get so desperately wrong here. This is not the fall of Satan. This was not when he first sinned and pride was found in his heart, where then he was cast down. That's not what this is talking about. That's a different time. He, he was cast down because he, he became the prince in the power of the air, of this human realm, right? But he still had access and still has access to heaven. I mean, maybe not to go hang out and have coffee, but the important parts to him, which are the courts. Because that is what decides everything about how things move in his creation. How do I know this? Because it says, it says here in, I, in, in verse 10, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, after he was cast down, I, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser and his brothers have been thrown down. Guess what? Nothing has changed in heaven. Authority was not won in heaven. Authority has always been in heaven. That statement has nothing to do with where God's throne is. It has to do with here. It has to do with this realm that God always wanted the agreement of His children in. And if you want proof of that, you can look at this verse where it says, uh, the end of, of verse 10, For the accuser of our brother has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. If he was thrown down already, 
then he couldn't accuse any longer. Let me ask you, do you guys get accused? Do you have spirits come against you to tempt you, to try and ensnare you, and then to hold you into a stronghold or a tight bond? Of course. Of course. He still has access to that court. This battle is being waged now. It's being waged now, and I am convinced that it is allowed to be waged now because of what happened last year on August 5th in that court case. We can wage war against the enemy. In fact, we're told to. And not just the enemy in our own lives. You know, I, I, I have every right of everything over my own body. I have the right to... When, when I, if, if, if Satan were to come and were to tempt me with something, you know, tempt me with gambling or whatever, I, I have a right in my own self to say yes or no to that. Right? That's why Jesus had to face the same temptations. And he faced them without sin. Why? So we could see that it was possible that through Him, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can say no to that Spirit. We can say, no, I, I want nothing to do with you. You're to get out. We can automatically wage that war. But until there was authority given on this earth to wage war against the principalities, we couldn't. Because back at the Tower of Babel, God gave the nations away. Do you understand that? He gave the nations away. And then some 150 years later to 200 years later, you know, 150 years later, Abraham was born. And then as he went into his life, God set him apart and said, I will build in this one a nation for myself. That was after he had given away all the nations to the demonic principalities. By the way, he didn't just give them away because, you know, I'm just sick of mankind. You can have them. No, it's because mankind said, we don't want to follow you, Yahweh. We don't want to believe you in Creator God. We want to believe in our own God. And so the Father finally said, okay, and gave them up to their own lusts. But He never does that without a plan. He put them in charge of the very ones that they worshipped. And what's wild to me, if you read Psalm 82, you see this. Those six or those seven principalities that were placed over the nations, over all the world, they were held accountable. In fact, God said in Psalm 82 that you have not stewarded what I gave you. You turned them further away from me, which obviously he knew they were going to do that but they're still held accountable for what they do. Then he said that you will be replaced. In Psalm 82, he said, you will be replaced. Your authority will be replaced on the earth. That's the time in which we live now. That authority has changed. We have the right to fight, not just for our own lives. We have the right to fight for land. America is not theirs. It is not Satan's. 
It is not these principalities anymore. They've already lost that court case in heaven. But now it's the fight. It's kind of like a, a court case. If you go, if you have a rental unit and a person's staying there and you want to get them out because they're not paying, you go to court and you get the right to evict. We've already got the eviction notice. We've got that right. We've got that paperwork. So what happens next? The enforcement. The enforcement. We have to take back this nation, guys. And, and do you know what that means? That doesn't mean go get your AR-15 and go join some group of weird people. Okay, that's not what it means. I mean, if it comes to that, it comes to that. But that's not where the real fight is. The real fight's in the Spirit. Because if I can go and, and, and a group of us can go into a land area, which is what we're even doing right here, and we can proclaim this is not yours anymore, we have shown it in court, it's not yours, you have one choice. You could leave or you could die. In the spirit realm, you have the authority to kick them off. You have the authority to do this in your own home. And yet 99.9% of Christians have no idea. The home is yours. Given by God. You have the right as a child of God. As one who has an inheritance with Jesus Christ. You have a right to go in and say, out. Now your voice only has the authority in which you walk in that purity. I can't go into my own house having an affair, gambling, whatever, you know, whatever, you know, strongholds can be in my life, and I, I then say, get out. They'll look at me and say, who do you think you're talking to? You can't tell me to get out when you let me in. You're the one who lets me stay. But I'll tell you what, flip-flop that. As you build relationship with Jesus Christ and you walk in the purity of that relationship, He starts to, to reveal to you. It says in the Psalms, David cried out, Show me anything in my life. Anything that is not pleasing to you, show it to me. Because I want to get rid of it. He actually does that. And He starts to systematically show you things. Okay, get rid of this. Okay, get rid of this. Okay, here's an area right here that it's not been a problem, but it's a danger. Get rid of that. And, and in that purity, you're, you're, just, you're just going after God. And then all of a sudden, it, all these things that we get rid of, he replaces with amazing things. And, and I can tell you from the other side, I look at it like, yeah, don't even miss that. Because... The holiness that he wants to place in you, the purity he wants to place in you, is for the reason of getting those principalities off the land. Now, when you walk in purity, you walk into your own home and you say, get out, because I see you. Get out. It has to. And if it doesn't, kill it. It's that simple. It's a warning they don't heed the warning, then they get the consequences. They're bound and they're cast. 
That's what God's talking about in in chapter 11 where he said you came and you destroyed the destroyers. It's not my authority that cleanses an area. I'm just a vessel. But in that purity of walk, God can work in that authority to then cleanse that area. That's what He wants to do with each and every one of you. That's what He wants to do with His readied bride, His remnant. All you have to say is yes. Just like this young man who gave his testimony. His testimony was about, I just want you. God, I just want you. I don't care about anything else. I just want you. If you walk in that purity of just wanting Him, He will get rid of the trash. He will. He'll show it to you. And then you could choose, yes, I'll give that up. I don't want it. And then He'll purify you. He forgives you. One of the greatest things in the world is God forgives. And He cleanses. Why? So we could go and do it again and we just kind of do this yo-yo thing? No. Because He wants you to understand your authority. He wants you to understand your calling in Him. Your calling in this relationship. Every single one in here has the capability of the authority of Moses. Do you understand that? Of calling forth the splitting apart of the Red Sea. Now, it doesn't mean that God's going to call you to go to a sea and split it apart. That's not my point. My point is, He gives everyone in here the authority to do what He is leading you to do. And one thing I've learned from God is that kind of depends upon you. How wild is your yes? Or does it come attached to yeah, buts? I give you my yes, yeah, but, but not here. I, this, I just, for fear's sake, I'm going to control this a little bit longer, God. You know, I, I, I just need to control this over here because it makes me feel better to control it. But I give you my yes. That's a yes, yeah, but. When you purely give him your yes, you watch how radical your life changes and how quickly. I have seen it. I've seen it over and over again here in Ignition. Radical changes that birth forth, burst forth a, a, an authority that, quite frankly, this world has not yet seen. That's what's here. That's what God has been doing. And it is by the word of our testimony. How is Satan defeated? This war that is going on right now. It's not just a war. Think about this a second. Okay. You got Michael and other angels that are fighting this war with Satan and his angels. And it's this big war, right? And yet, at another time in Scripture, you have a single angel go and wrap a chain around Satan and throw him into the abyss. No problem. Why? The difference is not the power of that angel. The difference is the power of authority. And the difference is the power of authority with the partnership that God placed on this earth. Do you know that's why Adam was created? 
He was created to become a partner of God. One who would steward God's plans and turn all the glory to Him. And Satan infiltrated that. So if that was always his plan and has never changed, then wouldn't it make sense that that is available to us? Because Jesus already paid for everything. Don't cheapen his blood. His blood paid for all that God intended prior to Genesis 3. All of it. All of it. And, and, and by the way, I'm not talking about name it, claim it. Well, you know, I, I believe in God and I believe in this authority and I believe I should have, you know, that Rolls Royce. Or in my case, it wouldn't be a Rolls Royce. It'd be maybe a really cool Jeep or something. No. No, it, it, that's a whole different thing. God giving you things that you enjoy, whatever. That's a different... That's not what you use your authority for. Let Him give you the gifts. Use your authority for Him. Use your authority to move forward His kingdom. What is our calling? Matthew 6.33 Seek first the kingdom of God. His righteousness. What does that mean? Not just to seek it, but He said to bring it here. To manifest it here on this earth. That's the partnership that we bring with God. Is that as man, as His created man, I carry an authority in this realm. Why? Because it was given to us. It was given to Adam. God doesn't take back gifts that He already gave. So Adam and all his descendants have this authority in this realm. Why do you think Satan even cares about you? He cares about you because he knows you hold an authority he doesn't have. And by the way, you hold an authority that God gave you and God doesn't take back. He'll never force you to give a yes. That's an authority He gave when He created you for you to make your own choice. That was the cost of love for Him. So all He's asking for now in this war, in this war that has now started, you want those angels to start kicking butt? Speak into it with your authority. Speak into it. Go into your house and say... They are not allowed here. Get them out in Jesus' name. I release however many angels it, it, it would take. And God's like, won't even take one, but I'll send one. Because they go with authority. Now all of a sudden with authority, those spirits that have had control of those areas are afraid. They're scared to death. Because they know what's coming. And they're confused because they thought this was their time. That's what I was talking about at the gifts meeting. Here, the whole time Satan thinks it's his time. And I remember in a court case, I think it was earlier in the year, maybe last year, I can't remember. I'm not so good on time. But where, he, where he, he, even in court, said, wait a second. I thought this was my time. The things that you have promised me. And I love the Father's reaction to that. I promised you nothing. I promised you nothing. And this isn't his time. In fact, I'm praying that his time, that he thinks he has, will be just a blip.
And I believe that. So engaging in this battle is by the word of our testimony. How, how was he defeated? Look in, cha- in chapter 12, verse 11. They conquered him by the blood of the Lamb, which, by the way, it's easy to think that that is just, okay, well, they're saved. Jesus died on the cross for their salvation, so that's the blood of the Lamb part. No, 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 no. It's what he paid for. Don't cheapen his blood by saying that he only paid for you to go to heaven. He paid for the restoration of what was taken out of Genesis chapter 3. And, and that is rule by his children, certainly. But more important than that, it's the intimacy that was there before that sin. God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, hanging out, talking with them, building relationship with them, that, that the purity of that relationship was lost, but then was paid for by Jesus' blood. That's how the possibility of it is overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And then the second part, it says, and by the word of their testimony, we saw it with that young man in Nigeria where his simple testimony, his simple yes, brought a verdict of not guilty. Brought a verdict of change to the Lands that the enemy has dominated for so long. And then there was a caveat to that, to this part of the war. For they loved not their lives even unto death. To have a true testimony, you have to speak it. You have to take a stand. You have to let the world know who you are. And whose you are. That is the word of your testimony. That is where America got into trouble with pastors. Satan was able to get pastors into the pulpit that were more concerned with how they looked. That were more concerned with how they came across. That were more concerned with how many people sat in the seats. They were more concerned with status. They were more concerned with all of these things rather than being concerned with what the Lord wants. Guys, those times are over. They're over. Those pastors, please, please, if you're one of those, turn. Turn. Trust the Lord, man. His forgiveness is immediate. It's it's immediate. And join in this army that is rising up. Because if you don't, you're going to be taken out. You will no longer be relevant. In fact, you could end up being collateral damage. This is coming. The Lord has spoken that a third of this earth, a third of this earth, he told us this, I don't know, five years ago, a third of this earth, was going to pass in this war. I don't even know what that means. So what, what in the heck does that look like? I don't even know. But I know that that probably consists of some collateral damage. People that 
can make a different choice. That can love Him. That can be open to His truth and His leading. Literally, to join an army that is evicting the destroyers. Evicting them. You know, I keep, I keep thinking of this, and, and I'm finishing on this. I know I'm, I'm running long. Although, what is long? Long is nothing. Whatever. Forgot what I was going to say. But truly, if you want to be part of an army that is bringing this change upon the earth, it is as simple as your yes. It's not being driven by a pulpit. You are as responsible as me. Every single one of you and every single one of you listening has your own yes to give. And as this army rises up, this, the enemy is going to be driven until he has no places to go. Do you understand that that's Revelation, 12, or Revelation 11? That's the seventh trumpet. He has no places to go. And by the way, Satan will be bound. He will be bound. And I'm, I'm talking about before the thousand-year reign. Because the tribulation is before the thousand-year reign. And we're not in a tribulation. This is not the tribulation. This is Revelation 3.9 where the bride will rule. Okay, that war has to happen first because Satan is going to be bound. The Lord showed me a vision of Satan being bound in heaven in a cage, literally a cage like a dog, paraded around. I don't know when that's going to happen, but I could tell you it's going to be at the, the end of this war. And it's before the rapture, guys. It's when we're here. It's when we have the authority on this earth as God's partner to say, yes, I'm in agreement with you. Do your will. So be part of this army. Stand up. And take your part in what God is doing in evicting the destroyers. Come on up. Wow, the Lord must really want this revelation to be given deeply today because um those that were in the ladies class it's crazy how we don't ever talk about what we're going to say and um it's like the exact same thing that that he gave it's it's so cool you know i think the saddest thing i ever heard a few years ago uh speaking with a a woman that was posing just kind of a, a question of what would you do if because it happened to her in her bible study but um she had a small group in her church and this woman came in and said she said um, she was a visitor, and she just was kind of, you know, introducing herself to the group and considering being part of the study. And she said, she said, now by the way, after the introductions were made, she said, now by the way, um, I hope you're not you're not a group that you know is going to start you know binding and casting demons because if if you are, I want no part of that because we have absolutely no right to be doing that. And so the woman talking with me and a few other people said, she said, what do you think about that? And what came out, she didn't really know how to respond in the moment, but what came out was, because I challenged her and I said, I said, well, absolutely we have the authority to do that. And she said, well, you know, it's really God that does everything. And, you know, we just need to wait upon him. 
And it was an interesting twist of where I feel like this has been what has really fractured and and caused the church to be maimed, literally, is this, this truth of knowing it's God, trusting God, waiting on God, but then applying that to the authority that he's given us. And they, it is a complete misrepresentation. And sadly, she wasn't able to receive, although I prayed since then that she would ponder some of the scripture that was given in that conversation about the authority that we have. But, you know, I didn't even know until recent years truly the fullness of this tagline, an army rising up, what it really means. It was given at the start, at the onset of ignition. And I've only recently come to know truly what it means. You know, if you are stuck in a paradigm of thinking that it's really just God and we're just, we're just these helpless people with our tickets, you know, to heaven, and we're just waiting for God to do something and, and, and setting, your side, setting yourself aside from any accountability, because if you don't have the ability to do anything, then clearly you're not accountable for anything. And the enemy loves that. Um, it's like, this is awesome. You know, I, I have total right. And this is actually why there's been a flood of witches entering the bride into the churches. I mean, the stories, even in Nigeria, of testimonies of people coming to know the Lord and, and being radically saved and transformed, they have story after story after story of counsel in high leadership, people that were... Um, right next to leadership, counseling them, things that were straight out witchcraft. I mean, one case was someone counseling a person to engage in what amounted to a seance to get victory over something, which only further bound them more and more, but yet they were receiving it because it was the counsel coming from within their church. See, and when you don't have an understanding of the spirit realm and you don't have that close relationship with the Lord, you can't even spot these things coming. You just think, like all the people around when Paul and Silas were ministering and the girl was following them, oh, these are the servants of the Most High God. She was saying everything right. And everybody was probably like, man, that girl is just on fire. She's, man, put her in leadership. Put her in leadership. She is on the ball. And Paul was like, oh, no, you didn't. Get out. And in the name of Jesus, those spirits, because he was seeing in the spirit. What was really going on, even though the vessel in the human realm was putting on airs, had this pretense of righteousness and, and godliness. And this is what is, is missed when we don't truly walk in the spirit and understand the spirit realm. And certainly any talk about the courts gets to be crazy when you don't understand um, what that is. But the thing that I love and, and I'm so thankful for this word, and I would encourage you again because there was a lot of deep things brought out that, you know, go to the podcast even. If you don't want to watch it again, go to the podcast, um, get the Ignition app, and, and just, um, just receive what it is the Lord is trying to say. Because the thing that I love about the real accountability in our walk when you're walking in the Spirit is there is literally nothing hidden with with the Lord and with people who are spirit filled, there is such a um, there is such a an, uh, a transparency that is there whether you want it to be there or not. 
That was the greatest thing that happened to me when I started to just say, Lord, I really want you. I want relationship with you. I want what I see in your word that was how you had relationship with others. And you're the same God yesterday, today, and forever. So I want those things. And I, I really started seeking it. And when he began to speak to me, and I now have, have been able to see that he's been speaking to me my whole life. I just I was just caught in misrepresentations of doctrine to, that was blocking his voice, which was the enemy's intention, by the way. He wants the bride to be blocked. He wants the bride to be sitting in this place of righteousness and grasping their ticket and just hoping one day that God will just take them out of this, this horrible, awful place called the world. And, and if they do a few good things along the way, then, you know, yay, God. Uh, and, and he wants them to be bound by that rather than know who they truly are. And so this army rising up tagline, it's like the Lord is, is saying, you know, you have to know who you are in order to rise and have any effect. The whole thing makes no sense at all if you don't think you have any authority to rise and make a difference in an army, in a war, then... It, it wouldn't. It doesn't even make any sense if you're just kind of waiting for God to just fix everything. And so, as the Lord began to open me up to those things, I, I began to just see um, more of who He is. And there is just nothing more confidence building and bringing a boldness and a fire to really receive all that He paid for um, than knowing Him, hearing His voice, and the the cross. And the gospel, the simplicity of the gospel totally changed in its deep revelation. It didn't change in the truth of it. It changed in the unlocking of how powerful it actually is. Because it wasn't, it wasn't the, those little machines, you know, the parking ticket thing. You know, you push the button and it pops the ticket out. That, that was kind of how I saw the gospel. You know, you push the button, you get your ticket, you pull it out and... You know, you do some good things, you know, and then you, you get to park on whatever spot in the parking garage. I mean, you know, like this crazy view of, of yet what the blood and the precious blood does. Um, it, it's so sad, and, and that's, that's been my prayer and all of us. We're praying for eyes to be opened. Um, but I did want to mention one other quick thing before we close in prayer. Um, this testimony that he spoke of in the courts you know, when Revelation 12 talks about the word of our testimony, the testimony shared by this young man and what it's saying in Scripture is not just the testifying of your words, of your voice. It isn't just speaking a testimony. You can't have a true testimony without the word test in your money, okay? It is a tested word that actually means something because you you have a you keep your word. You know how you are the the strength of your word. If your word is strong, that is what has impact in the spirit. See, it goes to the transparency because the the sons of Sceva in in Acts I think is eighteen when they were when they were trying to cast out these demons and they were like, you know what? I know Jesus. I know Paul. I don't know you because they were saying the right things, but they had no they had not passed any test in their money, so their word was just ridiculous. We don't have to go anywhere just because you're testifying the right words. So a testimony is something proven out, walked out, tested, and proven. And it's who you are when nobody is looking, not just what you're saying when you're in public. 
And, oh, that she is so kind. She is so sweet. She's always so nice. And then somebody that is on the inside goes, yeah, I, you haven't seen her when such and such. You haven't seen her when she's been cross. You haven't seen her. Those are so sad, so sad. You know, and, and when the spirit realm is truly opened up, which happens in intimacy with Jesus, you become the public person you are, become, the private person you are, rather, becomes the public person you are. There's no more pressure because there's no more airs. There's no more pretense. It's just an authentic existence in Jesus. It's worked on. It's corrected. And there's people brought around you to help you refine you and iron sharpening iron and all that. But it becomes, um, it becomes just a joy of an existence. You walk truly in the shoes of peace because you know that you're not hiding anything. Because the real inside joke is you can't hide anything anyway. It's all seen. I can hide a few things from a few humans, but man, when I got into a spirit-filled prayer, prayer group and what became Ignition, I was like, wow. Not that I was wanted to hide anything before, but, but I think what really hit me is, wow, nothing's ever hidden. It's just not. I, it, that just was, you know, I always thought that, you know, surely a, a podium will cover something up here, you know, like surely I, and it just became a joke. The Lord was just like, since when did a podium ever matter to anything? I mean, it was just, he began to just totally change all of this religious spirit ide- ideology, really, is what it is. And, um, but on the other side of that was just bliss. Because when you know Jesus, you hear him. And you know that he's for you. What wouldn't I give up for Almighty God, who's for me, who loves me, who is always on my side, will never leave me, and wants for me more than I could ever imagine to want for myself what wouldn't i give up for him what what sin do i need to hold on to that's so much more exciting than what he gives holiness does not equal boring holiness is a thrill ride that you just need to try it it is awesome it is not perfection it is closeness with jesus so that there's less of me and more of him and it's awesome So heed this word today. It's available to us. Praise God. And that's a revelation we got to get within us that is transformative, changes everything. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are, you are, as Greg said, the coordinator. Man, it is so awesome when, even on my elliptical this morning, when you downloaded what you gave me, you were downloading the same thing to Greg. And I just love that. That is how you work. That is how you bring unity in your body. When we, when we all just seek you, your spirit bears witness with itself within us. And I just praise you for that, God. And I know when these things happen, I know it's that you really do want to communicate these things to us. You want us to get it. You want us to receive what you've been wanting us to have since the beginning of crea- the creation of man. God, your grace, your long-suffering is so amazing to me to see what you have put up with in sin and in, in choices, to be able to have true love with free will that it would have to be because otherwise we'd be robots and there'd be no true love. God, you gave us this, this opportunity to choose you. And God, I'm just so thankful. I'm so thankful for the gift of your love, the gift of salvation, the payment to undo what was given away by Adam and Eve when they sinned. 
God, I just, I'm so in awe of the cross and of you, Jesus, and what you truly came to not only give us, but to show us is possible in relationship with the Father. God, I just worship you. I, I, I have no words of my heart posture of love and worship for you, God. So I just pray today that in the name of Jesus, you would strengthen us to receive, like what Ephesians 3 talks about, that that you would grant us the ability to see what is the length and depth and breadth and height and to know the fullness of your love so that we can walk in verse 20 of that chapter. Now to you, God, who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond what we could ever, and I love the Amplified saying, dare to ask or think. God, you want so much for us, and it is according to the very power you placed in us by your Spirit. You've given us so much, God. Give us, just give us the faith and the surrender to receive it and to walk boldly in it, God, because it is time to rise and use what you've given us upon the earth. God, I just thank you for this, these encouragements. Thank you, as Brooke was even saying, these are exciting times. Yes, darkness is all around, but we're here to, through Christ Jesus, get rid of it and rule and bring you all the glory. So I just praise you. Help us to continue to seek you, to learn of you, to be Bereans, to go to your 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 word for more and more truth as we ruminate and study and soak in what you want us to see and know and hear. Lord, I love you. Take us all throughout this week pondering what you're telling us this morning. In the mighty and holy and awesome name of Jesus, amen.